All right, this is the weekend pod with Dan. How's it going? Not bad. I mean, I, I just had a moment. It's funny how football works and that United come from behind to win. But I spent the afternoon doing the minute by minute of Newcastle Liverpool. Yeah. And I, 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 I didn't feel like I needed that in my life. I was also on it when Allison scored that goal against West Brom, the header. Right. And I swear to God, I saw that happening. I saw that ball coming onto his head before everyone in the world, including him, because <laughs> I saw him come up. I knew it was going to happen. And I knew that I was going to have to feign excitement and thrill yeah. <laughs> at, this at this tremendous happening. What a moment. And, and I just I knew it was going to happen. So as the ball's come across, I've seen it. And I mean, it was, it was in fairness, a brilliant header. But I, yeah. And then obviously this also happened, which I guess has the slight sweetener of making Eddie Howe upset and the kingdom That's of right. Saudi and yeah, the various it, kingdom of Saudi Arabia honchos unhappy too. So there is that, but I'm not about to set Liverpool up somehow as the forces of good. So no, not going to do that. And I mean, I, I'm not suddenly going to pretend that this means Liverpool's in a title race. I, I their back four is too much of a mess to to seriously be that. I think. I mean, Van Dyke just showed like his post Pickford self there by hacking down Isaac. So I saw a lot of people complaining about that. I was like, how? What? How? When? Whatever. But yes, Beheady Eddie being upset is is all good. Jamie Carragher says uh, at half time. He says, "Well, we don't know it was a goal scoring opportunity because we didn't see what happened because he didn't. It was all, all on the next touch." Well, that's the point, isn't it? So Andros Townsend goes, why didn't we didn't get to see it? Because Andros Townsend's excellent. Yeah, he really easy, by the way. I really, really, really says like speaks like a pro who's played in right. the game right in this era in the way that he speaks. Right. He speaks about football in a modern way with insight that I don't think Carragher has anymore because right. things have moved on and it doesn't massively feel like he's moved on with him with them and. Yeah, Townsend just ran rings around him. He's also just obviously a really intelligent guy. But yeah, the comparison with Carrigan given was, I guess, was to it was to his credit that he managed to keep doing such a good job without just banging their heads together. That's football punditry all round. There's so few of the the quality the quality pundits, isn't there? That'll actually provide some insight rather than like just a kind of platitudes. Sorry, just to finish that point, they do have insight. And I think one, I can just see myself sitting back. Sorry, people. I am trying to sit right on top of my microphone so the audio isn't variable. But you should know that you are not the first people to complain about my inability to sit still. Anyway, the thing is what I always think about when I watch the guys from Carragher's sort of generation below, they're always hammering mentality. And people use it as a stick with which to beat them, to say, well, it's a load of bollocks, football's moved on. No, lads, it hasn't. And every time you hear, hear the Liverpool players talk about why they won today, they're not talking about Darwin Nunes is finishing, they're talking about mentality. Listen to the way Ten Hag speaks about United. He speaks so often about mentality, and he did it after the game will come to it, did it after the game yesterday. So, yeah, I think that I don't want to slam that era of pundits as having nothing to contribute to punditry because I think it's bollocks. And implicit within saying it is that I know more about football than these people do, and I don't. No, I, I think the thing is with the, the mentality argument, 
it, it can kind of be, it feels like it's been very reductive, doesn't it, in the analysis, if you're like, it's all about mentality, lads, passion and and all of that. And I know I know what you're saying. It's that's not what they're saying, but it does feel like you're, it's being simplified down to something more. And I don't know whether more insight could be given on, like, what exactly do they mean by mentality? Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. And and we saw like Darwin Nunez, for example, we saw Darwin, like the goals that he scored, right? They are an expression of mentality in that he showed some composure for which he is unrenowned, where he yeah. gets put through twice. And on both occasions, he takes a touch, has a look and then smashes the finish. Whereas last season felt like maybe, I mean, it's only one game. So hopefully he'll go back to the Nunez of last season. But in the meantime, that, that mentality doesn't just mean like shouting and threatening and cajoling. It means the ability to be calm or to keep to be still under moments of intense pressure and the ability to perform under it and how you do it and what all those things that will always be a significant part of elite level sport and will mm-hmm. often separate the people that make it from those that don't rather than just like actual technical talent. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's move on to United because the mentality was good after gifting Forrest two goals. I mean, like if you watch those two goals back, first minute, third minute, they they are two of the worst goals you could possibly concede. <laughs> I, I mean, just unbelievable. Well, they would be if we hadn't seen. <laughs> yeah, before. exactly. United's propensity to to concede those absolutely thick as fuck goals over and over again is just incredible, and that's nothing to do with systems. That's all individual errors. From United's corner, Forrest won three 50-50s in a row. Uh, and then Anana like, picked up Dave's concrete boots and decided to sit himself down in the six-yard area, which was surprising <laughs> for a man who likes to wander around the halfway line. And then on the second goal, I'm just like, there's three of them there. Not one of them has jumped with him. And, and like, Bowley didn't even have to jump. It hit him in the face and went in. I mean, it's like it was, shockingly bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh, here I go. I'm sitting back again. But yeah, but I'm leaning back on that occasion to register how ludicrous this <laughs> behaviour was from United. And if that does not deserve some slightly hampered audio, I don't know what does. But yeah, the the goal, I mean, it was that Istanbul Basaksha here goal again. I'm sure we've yeah. seen it also once since then as well and almost seen it on a few other occasions. I feel like a bit of it was what you said, the lack of intensity. So they lost those 50-50s. But what was Marcus Rashford doing where yeah. he was? Because I think also a defender, because our knee held on to it for so long, by the time Rashford actually gets back, a proper a defender probably makes the tackle. Yeah. Instead of going for the ball, they put a leg in front of the ball and get and get in the road. I'm sure one Bissaka, if that yeah. had been would have stopped him from scoring. Oh oh for sure, yeah. Yeah, but it's odd. It's odd, yeah. It didn't feel like the setup was right. And that no. is something that's that is a, a managerial a managerial problem too, and hundred percent agree with Anand. And it wasn't just then; there was another one-on-one in the second half, I think it was, where he he doesn't take command of the situation, and they end up not scoring. But it's not really it's not really because of him forcing them to. Yeah, I mean, he did he did redeem it, to, made a good save at the end, but I thought. That was probably his, his worst game of, of, the, of the three so far. Yeah, I mean, just backpedalling, 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 and then just not really doing anything. And, and then he dived over the ball. So I, I, the more you watch it, the worse it seems, that, that first, <laughs> first goal. 
it feels quite early for like the infection of United of post Fergie Wilderness years United to have set in. I can't believe yeah. it's like already robbed him of his ability for independent thought, decisive action, and general competence. It yeah. just fucking seems unlikely. Let's let's hope not. You just don't know. It's powerful shit. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing like going back to the mentality, United did come back strongly in this game, and really, it's only. Well, they could have blown it right at the end because they didn't manage the 11 minutes of injury time very well at all. I mean, I don't think there was one attempt to run into the penalty, into the corners and slow the game down and hold on to possession, just kept giving it away and giving it away and throwing men forward. And, and they definitely could have blown it in that. It was very odd. They looked like they wanted uh, to. They, they really did. Just, just they Because like, I've seen that with this team a lot. It looks like they want the bad thing to happen so that they can stop worrying about it happening, or if there's enough time, just try and resolve it. And so with this game, they, were, they got lucky that the disasters happened right at the beginning because it felt like that focused us. And at no point watching the game, or even immediately when it happened, you don't at any point think that Forrest are winning that game 2-0 or 2-1. It might be 2 all. They might, they might score again or whatever, but yeah. you know that over the 6,000 minutes that are to come, including injury time, United will definitely score twice. You think, yeah, I, that felt, I felt fairly sure about that. Yeah, I, if we're going to be playing this much injury time, I, I worry for Casemiro because he looked like he was 40 by the end of that game. <laughs> I mean, it, the... <laughs> what do, what, do, do we look like that? Because also, no, like, I, I, I'm young and sprightly. I don't <laughs> Do you think that's why he's had that haircut? So, he, so people think that he's 17. It's like Tony Castorino wrote in his book that as he came to the end, he started dyeing his hair because it's important that the manager doesn't think of you as someone who looks right. old. And Casemiro's gone and got the spikes, the, 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 the tram line, which if he hadn't put, got the spikes quite to, had that quite so short or used perhaps slightly less product, might have been able to put a head on that ball that went across the goal, but it's, oh my uh, god, slid off, slid off him! <laughs> what a horrendous miss that is. But I agree with your point what? about about the the, the the extra time. Like, it does make a difference if when there's eighty minutes to go, you've actually got to play another twenty. Yeah, well, that's right. I, I, and and look, I mean, he he may have been hampered by an injury, although he got up, so he can't have been that injured. Coming coming to the goals, I mean. That's exactly for the first goal, United's first goal, exactly why you want Rashford on the left. Ball in front of him, attacking a player. Brilliant run, what we expect of him. Simple tap in for Christian Eriksen, who somehow managed to get himself in the box. <laughs> I think that's harsh, actually. The, it, it was, was a good finish. Tapping. I thought it was no. a really good finish. I mean, you'd want him to score there, but the dexterity of getting the ball to where he got it, from his, where his body, the way his body yeah, was yeah, positioned, it was enough. difficult. Yeah. And... What with Rashford, what's really what we saw with Rashford is it's just that ability to go on the outside. It took him a yeah. while to do it because he wanted to get towards the goal, but his pace is such, and now he's also got a bit more power too, that he can do that to almost like almost any defender, probably any defender, because even the ones that can match him for pace, by the time they've turned, it's it's, it's too late. And the goal, I mean, it was it was, a, it was funny. I watched it on a stream and the weather in London yesterday and everywhere else in England sort of around the period of the game was horrendous. So the stream on the, it was, a, it was a, a mate's fire stick and it was going in and out. And sometimes you'd like, it would pause and you'd have like a while to assess the situation. And 
that was an opportunity, an occasion where that happened. Like with the ball, Rashford got the ball, and um, Martial could have turned it in, and Ericsson was free then, and I was shouting at hit a Martial. I was just saying, "My Martial, look at look where Ericsson is. He can turn the ball, and he doesn't. It goes to Rashford, and then the thing buff stops for about five minutes, and then comes back on, and I see that we've scored, and we had scored from from that situation. But the maddest thing about it was it kept jumping back. So I kept there was a cross that Anthony hit that sails past the back post. And right, I was thinking. I'm saying like, I, hang on, I've seen that cross so many times before, but also I've seen that cross so many times and yeah. mean slightly <laughs> different things, but he was much better, I thought. Yeah, I mean, just having a focal point there, even at Martial wasn't very dynamic at all. I mean, he made it to, I don't know, what, what did he make it to, 60 minutes or so, which is good for him. So but at least having a forward there. Yeah, I, I don't That's know. That's a good way of he, describing him. He is undynamic. <laughs> There's not much of him left, is there? Post he all looks these injuries. shot, doesn't he, physically? Yeah, yeah. And they can't they can't up the intensity because he'll break. So it's he's this, just this like, is it, it looks like he, yeah, it looks like he doesn't trust his body. He's not, and he's physically he's at his peak. He's like strong, fast. He should he he, he had it. He is he's not as fast as you'd want him to be, but he's quick enough. But it just he doesn't want to sprint. I mean, he, he never met, was never mad about that. But he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to run at anyone. It's just he's sort of he's there to knock off, try and hold it up a bit and knock off touches. Now he's not he's not that interested in doing anything else. But I agree that having him there is better than having and having Rashford on the left is is better. I think I still think Rashford should be able to play centre forward, but he's so much better on the left. The team's better with him on the left. So here it is. Yeah. And I guess it seems like we're going to get Rasmus Hoyland back for the Arsenal game. So, I mean, he's not going to start that one, is he? And we'll see whether Martial can play two games in back-to-back weekends. I, seems unlikely. It's easy for us to say, but I I would be so fucking tempted to start Hoyland in that game. Just with strikers, just things happen like Rude scored twice on his debut yeah York scored twice in his first home game I just I think that with the buzz of that kind like Anthony started the Arsenal game it's different with Hoyden's been injured obviously and we don't know how fit he will or won't be and need to obviously we can't bear we can't lose him but given we don't have a centre forward the answer to a lot of managerial dilemmas like this and really in the end is what would Fergie do and I think we know exactly what Fergie would do. And yeah. If, 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 he's, if we think he's fit for an hour, to properly play at a good level for an hour, I would be picking him for an hour. Yeah, I had no idea if he got any preseason at all. So that, that may factor in. I mean, if he's 10 games behind the rest of the team, then he, he probably won't be given an hour. But we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, see about that one. It's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely, I mean, don't know whether he's going to be any good or not at this level. We'll find out. But just having a focus focal point there and get players around him is much better. It's better for Bruno as well. He's actually got someone to play off. Bruno was like pretty his dynamic best yesterday. I don't care about the moaning. I just want him doing stuff and he creates a lot of stuff. The idea, like the talking about him moaning, the moaning about the moaning is absolutely batshit. <laughs> It really, really is. You've got this bloke who basically almost single-handedly for a bit made this team not totally unacceptable, whose numbers, I think, 
Would it be right in saying that yesterday was the 12th time he'd scored and assisted in a game? I can't remember if it was 12 right. or 21, but either way, it's more than anyone else. Scored and assisted yeah. in the same game. His numbers since he joined United are outrageous. He obviously is the team's leader on the pitch. He's obviously a leader on the training pitch. He's got yeah. work ethic. He's got mentality. He's got brilliance. And him bitching at the ref is this thing that <laughs> tells us that he shouldn't be captain. I wouldn't have been asked particularly if they'd have given it, I don't, it to some to Martinez or whatever. It's not. Yeah. It's not I'm not wedded to the idea of him being the captain, though I think he's earned it and the right person for it. It's the idea that captaincy isn't in any sport, bottom line, about delivering. For all Roy Keane shout, Roy Keane, no one would have given a shit about Roy Keane shouting if he wasn't turning in minimum seven out of ten performance almost every single right. week and usually, and usually better than seven. And the thing yeah, that yeah. unites all the captains, Robson, like... His stuff was on the pitch. He's, I mean, I'm sure he yeah. had a few words and whatever, but it's the way he did in the pitch. Schmeichel, Rio Ferdinand, Vidic, Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton, Martin Buchan. Uh, we could keep naming names. All the people who captained United with success, Eric Cantona, have done so because their level of performance was the thing that people found inspirational. So, right, and, and took them along, yeah. There, there was a tradition in Italy of always giving the captaincy to basically the oldest player and a kind of amusement that English captaincy was about the shouty bit. But I, but I think you're right. A captain has to be a leader on the pitch foremost. Their, their performances have to be standout. Their, their performances have to be something to, to look up to and copy even, and, and so on. Even in cricket, right, where the captain has a lot of input beyond just playing is deciding the tactics, right. picking the team, more or less, picking the team, Fields, deciding the tactics, yeah. field yeah. settings, bowling changes, batting orders, everything. Yeah. Ben Stokes couldn't be getting away with Basel if he wasn't performing. Same sure. But it just, it, you, have, you have to be consistent and you have to perform in sports that rely much more on captaincy than football. So, yeah. The, and anyway, as you say, he was, again... He wasn't good at the first two games of the season, but that was a, prop, a, a proper performance. And you just, even just the presence, not the presence of mind, because it was a rehearsed move, but the, the way he was there to nod the ball across for the, the second goal, which is another really nice goal. I, 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 finally, our uh, set-piece coach is, is paying off, I guess. <laughs> it's only taken like two years. But no, it was a, it was a lovely move. And, and I think we should shout out to the, the rule makers at FIFA who decided that being five yards offside like Casemiro was is no problem because <laughs> it already sets on the second phase. So thank you, guys. Yeah. I, I always knew that second phase passive onside was a thing I would uh, look up to in this game. Yeah, but yeah, it was like, you could, I mean, it's perfectly legal goal, of course. I I mean, and they've they've created the rules like that, of course, to to give a, a, an unfair advantage to the attacking side, so we get more goals. But he was miles offside and clearly gaining an advantage. But yeah, I mean, great. What, what I liked what I liked about that goal, what I thought was clever. If I mean, maybe it was, or maybe it just happened that way. Is that if it had been the other way around? So if Rashford takes the free kick and knocks it to Bruno, if Rashford then runs runs to the near to the to the far post. And Bruno's on the ball. I feel like the opposition know what's going to happen because he's going to pick that pass. 
But because it was the other way around, it's Bruno on the end of it and Rashford, who you don't think is going to hit that pass, hitting that right. pass. I, I don't know if that is like deliberate disguise or if I'm just inventing that yeah. because I want I want to think that they're thinking about things. I don't know, but either way, it was it was it was it was really nicely done. And I mean, it's, also, a, it's like, a brilliantly weighted pass from Rashford as well. I mean, outstanding. To, yeah, what to I also like over the Casemiro. Casemiro wasn't wasn't the only other man in the box. Lindelof was there as well. And yeah. one of the problems I've had with this team over years is too few men in the box. And that if if they can sort that out with the players that they have, they're going to score a lot of goals. Yeah, right. And and it, the interesting thing with Casemiro, especially with his, I would say, waning physicality, or what feels like waning physicality, and and the balance of the team may well be, as you've said before, he, he may well perform better in sort of sacking areas of the pitch than defensive ones, because he looks troubled when he's on his own there. It's actually, funny enough, better balance with Ericsson, who's more di- been more disciplined than Mount. So I'm not saying Mount can't find that discipline, but he... In the first couple of games, he wasn't, and he was in Bruno's zone, not not really alongside Casemiro, which is what he's got to do if he's going to play eight. Whereas Ericsson doesn't have the lungs to get up and down the pitch anymore, so he stays in a, a more disciplined position most of the time, except when he scored, of course. Yeah, I reckon that if Mainu is as good as Ten Hag thinks he is, then the best midfield is probably him, Casemiro and Bruno. Because that's the only one with probably, I think, like the physicality and nous and flexibility to to be able to compete with the with the best teams and protect the defense properly. Because otherwise, yeah. there is otherwise we're stretching unless Mount becomes a different can can do either becomes a different player or can do stuff that we've not seen him do often enough to be able to say he can do it. Unless he does that. And maybe that's the plan, or maybe that I, I, I mean, it has to yeah, be otherwise, the plan, doesn't it? Otherwise, otherwise we're stretching. Otherwise, we're yeah, we're like we're like a board man with a cone over. Really, we're just trying to cover something because who any other midfield that we have would be would be lacking something very obvious. Yeah. Like how many years do you reckon you've got before you have to do the comb over, Dan? So <laughs> how many years have I got? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I would say that like I haven't. I'm I'm doing all right from like the bits the bits that can't be seen. I if you'd have offered me what I've got now, when I was seventeen, I would have yeah. I would have been I would have, I'd be your hand off and and anything else that you wanted fighting off for that. Yeah, I would I, I would I would have been delighted. So, I, I I would like I saw a picture of myself sort of like three years ago the other day and thought oh man, I definitely had much more hair then, but. Sad state of affairs, isn't it? So, and then what what else did we have in the game? We had the red card, which Forrest apparently complaining to PGMOL about. I'm not sure how. I mean, that that was a red card 20 years ago, let alone now when they're loving to dish him out this season. So unless I'm missing something, it seemed fairly obvious. I think once it's given, then then it's staying given. I would not mind if you didn't get a red card for that, because I felt, could could I be sure that it was a goal-scoring opportunity? Probably not. But once you've said that it, once you've said that it was, yeah, then, and you have to prove it the other way. I, I see, I see both sides of that. Yeah, yeah. The penalty, 
I don't see both sides of that at all. But this no, one, I, mean, I feel, I see both sides. And what I, what I particularly enjoyed about this and the penalty, I love Steve Cooper's coupon at, at, at all times. He's just got a look of like total disgust at the world on his yeah. face almost all the time. So when he's actually disgusted, and you see that, it's just, yeah, Gewaldinger, <laughs> it's say in Yiddish. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious a penalty. I, I don't know why there's an attempt to create some kind of controversy other than it fills airtime, column, inches and whatever. But he's gone past his man and been clipped, even if it is a light brushing of the knee. <laughs> I mean, Gary Lineker got one not dissimilar to that in, in the 99 World Cup, didn't he? Going around, going around the Cameroonian <laughs> defence. So... It's been a penalty forever, that kind of thing. You, it was, so. it was the thigh. The, I mean, he, the thigh caught the, the heels. I, I don't. Or yeah. I was like, I don't. It's I. I can't, it was like that police view one the other day. That I mean, I, that I was even more blatant. <laughs> once I can't. Yeah, that was more. I can't see how when you actually see what happened, you're still saying that that that, that isn't the penalty, and it is. And yeah, he took it really well. The keeper. It looks. It, it looks like the keeper's almost quite close to it but actually that when you see it so i saw it slowed slowed down maybe from behind the balls the balls hit the net before the keeper's anywhere near it oh yeah the pitch side cam on that one's great actually just how hard he how hard and cleanly he hits it <clears throat> i'd do myself a hernia if i tried to hit the ball that hard i think but yeah <laughs> yeah no good good pen from bruno and elsewhere in the team anthony did a few more things I and mean, of course the cross that you had to watched 75 times on your dodgy stream crap he did pull off a his one trick because he's very much a one trick pony oh. of bending into the far corner good save from turner there so it was actually if you look back on this excellent save so. yeah at the risk of like i don't know destroying any credibility if had i ever had any which i haven't like danny murphy's analysis on match of the day i thought and anthony was quite good but he was much better. He was threatening to go on the outside. He did go on the outside. He was making better decisions with the ball. I, yeah, I, I think that you can, there, people can find stats about Anthony. Like obviously, he hasn't scored. He only scored one league goal since his third game, which right. is a bit harsh in that it, it takes away the two that he scored immediately, as though they're not relevant. But he hasn't scored enough goals. But he has he has played well. I guess will he ever be good enough such that will he be a good enough player to place United for the next five years in that position? Is is he as can he get as good as we want him to get? Yeah. So I don't know. Don't know. But he's don't he's know. costing United about thirty million euros a season in their FFP calculation, so he kinda has to. Uh, but do I think uh, he's got the ability to become a really good player? Yes. Yeah, yeah I he definitely needs more output. And th look, there's plenty of examples of players who had low output earlier in their careers and, and managed to managed to generate more. But yeah, more goals, more assists, more more passes. All of the but, stuff, the attacking metrics are quite low. So, But he, he, he hasn't got a, a fullback as good as Luke Shaw getting him the ball. Yeah. Often, often he hasn't always had a good midfield player playing near him. And he's never had a centre forward. So, yeah. Again, we're coming back to the fact that probably for our season to be really good, Hoyland and Maynu have got to both deliver something. Yeah. 
yeah. because because we're we're I mean we're, we'll talk about it in the bonus. We're, we're, we're going to do what might happen with United this week, but so everything is notwithstanding. Maybe we're going to sign sixteen amazing players in the next in the next week, <laughs> but seems unlikely. If if it seems it feels like Mount isn't going to have the ability to really change things that much, and if that's the case, then those two Mount Mainu in particular it was it seems mental to say it, and it is. But we are going to need like probably twenty twenty really good games from him, and we're going to need some goals from Hoyland because yeah, there there are yeah, enough yeah. goals elsewhere. No, definitely on the goals thing and on the balance of the team. I mean, I think you're right. It's it's kind of hoping, isn't it? Because we don't have the evidence yet that Mainu is, is going to be able to perform at Premier League level and with the intensity and physicality and all of that. We just we just see the raw materials and and hope. But yeah, United's balance isn't quite right at the moment. So it's it's definitely we're hoping for Ten Hag to transform Mount into something he's never been. In a way, he tried to transform Ericsson into something he'd never been. Or, or Mainu is on express track towards being in the first team. Or, or United sign another midfielder this week and do, like, what, five pieces of business on the on the way out so in order to afford it. I do know that after this game, Ten Hag was wearing a cardigan. <laughs> oh, dear, was he a bit cold? So. It's, it's not... I, 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 I don't know. I don't think the manager of Manchester United should wear cardigans. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I mean, I'm, someone's probably going to send me a photo of Fergie wearing cardigan and Matt Busby wearing and all the rest of it. But yeah. so I'm good. And in this, in this, in this, in this day and age, yeah, I, you I know, have a nap. Man. He, he does have an air of sort of professor, doesn't he? At a regional university. Nah. He, yeah, he likes he likes a he likes a shirt. I, I don't think I'd know if I'd seen him wear a cardigan before. So, but I feel like you would remember such. Yeah, such an infraction. <laughs> I mean, in his inter- his interview was quite. I thought he seemed genuinely like quite pleased with how they played, and it. Talk- I mean, it's it's a bit that it smacks a little bit of Arsene Wenger, who would always talk about mental strength, because he knew that they sort of didn't have it, and it felt like he was trying to drum it into them that they had it by mentioning it all the time. And he talked about them keeping their composure and stuff, whatever. And I think that they did, and I felt like. I- so so dreadful that I'm going to say this, but at the beginning of the second half they huddle right, and I hate that shit. I don't. I, I I'm probably just being like old man, but I I don't know. It just feels so contrived. I think it's that. Even yeah. though, and I wouldn't mind at all if they just stood there and had the same conversation. Just the, the, and I know the huddle obviously makes it intimate and more visceral, but it's just I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just rugby union or something. But they they huddle maybe. at the beginning of the second half. And I thought, okay, like that, it feels like I, I, you don't often, they, the team that doesn't often look fired up felt like, okay, maybe you're fired up now. And they, yeah, they, they did get it done. So yeah, good. Uh, look, they, they were excellent. Apart from that, apart from the horrendous first four minutes and the ridiculousness of the two goals and the last 10 minutes where they did their very, very best to give the ball away. I can't believe Ten Hag would be happy about that. It was a good performance against a, an, an OK Forest side who I think will probably survive, but they're not going to be anywhere other than the bottom third of the, the league table. Maybe they have some more stability now. They haven't brought 20 players in this summer. Gibbs White's a good player. He's a good player, yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, plenty, plenty of talent there, yeah. 
So, and and all in all, this is United needed this win. Obviously, I mean, it's clearly going to be a level up for next weekend. It's going to have to be much much better. Given, especially given that Arsenal seem to have the mentality thing down at the moment, another comeback win for them. No, not a comeback win. Comeback draw. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, comeback draw. What am I talking about? They were taped back upon. They had them. Yeah. They were... All right. Dumb Scratch dumb. that last thirty <laughs> seconds because that was complete nonsense. Clearly, <laughs> I, I was following that on text rather than on the video. I really wish I'd seen little Mickey Arteta's face when that one went in. And his little trousers. Live. Yeah. Tight yeah, little trousers, yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait and lie. Like, in the back of my mind, I'm enjoying it, but I'm thinking, I, I, like, come on, dickheads. Like, because we're not stopping four in a row. Let's be honest, we're not. No. It seems, I mean, some, some very odd things would have to happen, I would say, to this team for us to be capable of getting involved properly in this. So every time Arsenal lose or don't win or draw even, you're thinking, that's, that's a problem. But here we are. I think City, City are going to win the league by more than 10 points. And you can all clip this one because everyone else, because it's quite tight behind. There's a lot of teams at a very similar level. Maybe Arsenal are a little better than everyone else, but it's it's not 20 points better. So everyone's going to take points off everyone this season and, and City will get 90 and second place will get 80. So I... I remember that also remind me a little bit and hear me out of United United in the summer of 2007 because what happens is United win the league 06-07 but by the time they get to the, the Champions League semi-final against Milan they're knackered like I think Ferdinand doesn't play either leg of the semi and Vidic plays maybe the first game doesn't miss the first game comes back to the second he's not fit and we get splattered so we should have won the champion. We were the best team in Europe at our best that season, I I think. That's one that got away from me. And what, so what Fergie does in the summer is he goes and buys a squad. He buys Anderson, Nanny and Hargreaves. And what that means is he has loads of players he has to give games to while making sure that he picks the right players for the right games and keeps the balance and you keep winning. And obviously Fergie went and goes and wins the league and the European Cup and was coming from a higher base having won the league. It feels like Arteta's done that this summer. He's now got options, and options are good. But when you've got all of them available to you, you suddenly have to do quite a lot of fucking more management. And Ferguson's yeah. genius, one of his many aspects of his genius was was not just the, hu- the human resources management, but the husbanding of resources. And obviously it's related to the fact that all the players wanted to go and perform for him, but picking the right players in the right games, even though you know it's not your strongest team. And, Bigger team you pick if you had to pick one team if your life depended on it, but constantly getting that right and that's now a question that Arteta has to answer. And I mean, it's early to say how it's going, but Arsenal haven't played that well yet this season. They seem to think they played better in that Palace game than I did. I mean, obviously they tried to make out in the celebration. It was one of the great rear guards, and it was <laughs> and it's like I understand why it's very powerful. If you can get yourself believing that, that's very powerful. Yeah, the sure. Next time yeah. you're in that situation, yeah. but but watching the game, trying to be dispassionate about it, they Palace had were missing players, and Arsenal. I don't would say they got away with it because Palace hardly created anything. But yeah, it wasn't. A, it, you're happy to win one nil, but if, if if sometimes if it feels like, do you know that you didn't play well there? Also, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
Arsenal have still got to work out the balance of their their team and squad. I mean, yes, they're, they're stronger in depth than they were last season, and and maybe they'll be better for that. Especially if they got injuries. Obviously, obviously the Saliba injury really fucked them last season. So it's still there's still a question that they spent a hundred million on David Raya and and Kai Havertz, and I'm I'm wondering exactly what the point of either of those purchases was. Raya was on the bench yesterday. Yeah. So Raya, I guess Arteta likes him. You get him for more or less nothing. So thinks, well, I'll decide. Thinks he might be better than Ramsdale. So he'll see what happens. And yeah. probably sell him for more than more than he costs. So that'd be my guess. Then and Havertz, Havertz has got a lot a lot of talent. Seen it. I saw it when he was at Leverkusen. He's got. Yeah. ridiculous ability yeah. but, but they're still not going to play him in that but, position he was at Leverkusen what, so. no but right so I can Arteta obviously thinks that he can convert him into something else if that's the case then we need to give it a bit of time to see how that pans out yeah but yeah. It, I, I know what you mean it felt like sure, is there someone else you could get to do that better but yeah. I can see I can see why you fancy why someone with Havertz's ability and strength seems seems a good option, I guess. Yeah. All right. Too much talk about Arsenal, although we are playing them next weekend, so that's fair enough. I mean, any any well, since we're on it, any tactical changes for for United for next weekend? I do worry about how lightweight we're in midfield. I mean, Mount's definitely out. He's out for a few weeks. Shaw's definitely out for a few weeks. That's a pretty big blow, given that Malassia's already out. And Diego Dallo is even worse at left back than he is at right back. It's just how to shore up that midfield is a big question for me. So, yeah, I, I I think that pending incomings, if there aren't any, I've, I I hate to say it, but I think yeah, like it doesn't feel like you should go into that game and not pick McTee because you're sort of unless you think that you could be proper solid in how you configure it with Ericsson, Bruno and Casemiro that you're you're sitting, then then I guess you could if Ericsson and Casemiro play in a two and sit, then you might be able to get enough good possession to score a couple of the goals. So I don't yeah. know. I- I do worry about United on the transition with those two in midfield. I mean, we've already seen it, right? It's It was so open. Well, both with Mount in there and, and Ericsson against... No, but it was... Wait there. It was Mount against Tottenham, wasn't it? But And, and on the opening day against Wolves, where they're both really open all the time. Arsenal quite open as well. They are. They are, but they're so dangerous in transitions. Yeah, whatever, whether it's Martinelli, Saka and... And Jesus or Enketia or who played there yesterday? I forget now. It was uh, not Enketia. Trossard played, and then and Trossard Nketiah. played there. And yeah, the middle. Yeah, I guess they're going to try and flog Balogun in the next week or so. Is that not done? I thought he he's gone to Monaco. I thought he he's gone to Monaco. Monaco. Is it is it done? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I I, 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 I thought it was, but I mean, it's yeah, been yeah. I mean, reading, hearing, seeing about it. For so long without actually taking anything in in the constant stream I, I, of mindless information that is for a Brizio Romano or tweet that seventy five times with a with a dodgy headshot 
head swap. I have no idea whether anything's real anymore. So and anyway, yeah, no, look, that is, that's where United win or lose, whether they get the midfield balance right. And it would be awesome if Hoyland is actually fit. Maybe they can find a midweek behind closed doors game again to give him or give him some to reserve lose. time. I'm not sure. <laughs> to get injured in. <laughs> for him to get injured again oh, wouldn't that be awesome yeah left back is a real problem as well though because Shaw's been such a I mean he looked dodgy the first two games of the season you're just worrying he's not going back to to casual Shaw that hasn't got any competition but he's a big loss from an attacking point of view just a huge loss and Diogo Dello is not that no he's I mean it's it's trying to get by with a less good player. That's that's we don't we don't have a squad where there are replacements of similar standards, and so that you can you can work your way to saying that Dallo could do a job for you at left back. I mean, he's going to have to, and Saka is going to wants to come inside, and he's going to be coming inside on Dallo's stronger side, though. but. <laughs> I'd prefer, yeah. I'd, I'd prefer, I'd I'm prefer going to take a lot of that one. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'd prefer yeah. it wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, I guess, I guess that's that's kind of it for the week, isn't it? We've got a week off. Now, it's, it's a strangely quiet start to the season. I'm sure there's used to be a few midweek, midweek games at the beginning of the season, but there haven't been this time around. For years, there'd be Saturday and then Tuesday or Wednesday immediately yeah. afterwards. I don't know why they stopped it, but but they did. But yeah. I, yeah, that was always yeah. I guess I can think of loads of games like Bradford six nil. There was Blackburn maybe. There's Blackburn two all game from Verón. But yeah, I I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a television related reason. <laughs> Perhaps they just don't want to play that many games when people are on holiday. Yeah, who knows? Yes. Don't know. It was a fairly early start to the the league season, wasn't it? So 6th of August. All right, that's it for the main show. Backers, patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod. We're going to do the bonus show. We're trying to be regular about this one this season because that was the feedback. I was like, what do you want, guys? And they were like, just give us the content regularly. We're going to talk about transfers because that's that's all we'll be talking about for the next five days, I guess. So everyone else, we'll see you probably for a midweek pod. And thank you very much for listening. Is. no question about that it's supported by you our listeners through patreon.com forward slash nqat pod where you can get access to our weekly ad free bonus episode talking about football around the premier league and europe All right, backers, thanks for your support as always. So this is the Backer Show. We're going to talk about transfers. We don't do a lot of transfer talk on here, but like, what, what are we going to see in the next week? There's, oh, let's go through the, let's go through the, the rumours as they are. Maguire to West Ham may be back on. Maybe they found a solution. We'll see about that one. I think the variance in wages is going to be a big problem. There's maybe Sofian Amrabat. What else we heard about, Dan? Oh, Graven Birch. A lot of talks about that. He didn't play in Bayern's game yesterday, I don't think, but was asked about it. Those are three main ones. Maybe would we bring in another defender if Maguire was sold? That might be. There's a few others they'd been looking at, Tadebo and, and a few others. So should we go through each of them? Maguire. He didn't come on yesterday with Varane 
complaining at halftime, apparently. Lindelof did. He has clearly preferred Lindelof. So Maguire is fifth choice at the moment. It doesn't make any sense for him to stay at the club, except for four million pounds a year for the next two years. And then if he thinks he's he should still be at that wage and he's going to sign a five year contract, it's also the following wages for that. So that's quite a variance. You reckon it'll get done? I mean, I have no intel, so it's really hard to say. But just looking at it, it just I don't understand why Maguire wouldn't be doing everything he could to leave. And yeah. that given it just feels like there's got to be a point at which the confluence of interests can get United whatever they need for FFP for it to work, for Maguire to get enough of what's due to him or enough of what he's happy to take from what is due to him. And I'm not judging him for this, by the way. Um, I don't care. It's up to him to do what he wants. And at an amount that West Ham will pay, it feels like somewhere in the middle of that, there should be something that they can agree to if everyone still wants to move. 